Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer, so learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Tim Philston will share a message called Family, Talking Turkey Without Creating Conflict. Family gatherings can be a mixed bag. We set expectations high. Things begin well, and then we find ourselves back in relationships where they really left off. Every family has unfinished business. Especially during the holiday season, we feel pressure to avoid conflict. And the cycle continues. Today, let us consider together how to disagree without being disagreeable. Talking turkey without creating conflict. I thought this was a timely message that it would be. What does that mean? Well, it means learning to disagree without being disagreeable. Now, many of you are coming back together with family and uh, sometimes extended family. Over the course of the next month, you're going to be thrown back in to relationships that may have some unfinished business. That's, that's true for almost every family. How do you talk turkey without creating conflict? How do you get real about the things that are going on in your life? How do you talk about the disagreements that you have without borrowing trouble or creating conflict? How do we do that? How? That's an important part of this, orienting you to what we're going to be looking at. How do you do that? I'm going to presume upon the why. This morning, and we're going to talk about some, some practical tools for talking turkey without creating conflict. Let's take a look at a place in Scripture that is all about building relationships, building community. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start with verse 14, and we'll go through verse 25. Hear God's word this morning. Kind of picks up in the middle of a sentence. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's a long sentence. Let me pause here for a minute. That's a very long sentence with a lot of... But the point of, of the length of the sentence is even the point of the purpose of the sentence, and that is to bring a lot of different things together, right? You see that? One thing leading to another. We're going we're gonna to unpack this in a minute. He goes on, now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That's people who are just far from God that war with themselves and with each other in the futility of their minds, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, 
greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. May God bless us this morning through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God bless us now to receive your word not only into our minds to understand, but into our hearts to believe that through our hands and feet we may live. In Jesus' name, amen. Heard a story about two men that were in conflict, big conflict, and they blew up. It was a public display, and they, they left mad. Well, each one went to this old judge, this sage of the town. First night, one man went to him and poured out his version of the story, and the sage said, listening to him, said, you are absolutely right. The next night, the, the other fellow in the conflict came and spoke to the judge and, and in his wisdom listened to this second version of the story and he looked at him and he said, you are absolutely right. His wife was listening to this and she said, what is wrong with you? She scolded him. Both those men can't be absolutely right. He looked at her and he said, you are absolutely right. I heard somebody said that's that's a wise man for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and it and it does it does feel that way that and sometimes it's wise to avoid conflict. And I, I don't I'm not advocating that you go pick a fight with somebody this week. I'm not advocating that you go pick a fight with somebody this week. Maybe I should say that a third time. But I do think that it's important that we deal with reality and with each other. How do we do that? How do we deal with what's really going on in our relationships, even in places of disagreement, without being disagreeable? How do we do that? Well, the scriptures say that we have to learn how to speak the truth in love. And we have to understand what what the version of love is here. You know, we've got one word for love. You've heard this before, that Eskimos have dozens of words for snow. And we have one word for love, and we mean lots of different things by love. But in this case, this is agape love. This is unconditional love. Think of it this way. It's generous love. So to speak the truth in love is to be generous. Generous with our words. Generous in our attitude and spirit. So let's look at how to be generous in our tone, and with our rights, okay? Because we are new people. We're new people. How do we live out of that newness, that new life? Well, we do it by putting relationships ahead of being right, right? 
We put relationship ahead of our rights. Do you follow that? I mean, a lot of times you think, I'm either going to be right or I'm going to have a relationship with this person. Can you do both? Well, sometimes you can, but you have to get it in the right order. You have to prioritize relationship over being right, (laughs) right? Or prioritize relationships over your rights. Those are the two areas we're going to look at today. Now, I'm always amazed someday, you know, in ministry, you know, I get this wrong every day, but I'm very sensitive to the fact that um, my, my, my whole effectiveness pivots on relationship. And it's always amazing to me when people choose to be right over relationship, even over very small things. And we can all do it. We can all fall into it. But you've, you've experienced this, where someone just would rather be right than be in relationship. Well, that can even come down to the tone of your whole approach. So first of all, to be generous, to be generous in tone is to recognize you have a new life. What does that mean? How do you live out of the new self and not the old self so that you have a generous tone, so that you put relationships ahead of being right? Did you follow that? I'm, gonna, I'm, just, I'm going over this again because you have to get this concept and then we're going to talk about the concept. Let me just say it one more time in a different way. To have the right tone, to put a relationship over being right means living out of the new life, and that means you're accepted. You're accepted. Your, your life is defined by a relationship. It's defined by a relationship with Christ. It's a settled issue. And so we're not always living out of that place, right? We're not always living out of that place of acceptance. And sometimes we're dealing with people who are also believers but aren't living out of a place of acceptance. Sometimes we're dealing with people who don't know anything about an identity in Christ that says, you're accepted. It's a done deal. And when people don't live out of that place, where do they live? They live from one performance to the next. Everything hinges on their opinion. Have you noticed that these days? that people are their opinion. Everything is personal. Everything is urgent. You know, it's not just that you believe something different from what I am, but you're bad because you believe that, right? Everything just is is completely hinged upon. And so when I'm giving you my opinion and I'm not a person with a new life, somebody who's living out of a place of acceptance in Christ, then if I put my idea out there, my opinion out there, then everything is at stake. Everything is at stake. And so as believers, we need to learn to be very generous in our tone because we're dealing with people whose lives are on the line with their opinion. I know that sounds dramatic, but that's exactly the way they're behaving. And that's the way sometimes you and I behave when we don't live out of the new life, when we don't put on that new life, verse 22. Put off the old life, put on the new life. That means being generous in your tone, not, not prioritizing being right over relationship, but putting relationship over being right. Are you with me now? Let me give you an example of what, what I'm talking about. When people are living not out of a place of new life and acceptance in Christ, but out of a sense of performance that everything is at stake with every idea and every opinion 
everything they do. This is from a, a very famous interview with Madonna from Vanity Fair. She says, all my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. One of the most accomplished, talented, famous people in the world. All of my will? Feeling inadequate? You think if, if Madonna feels this way, how does everybody else feel? I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being and then I get on to another stage and I think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Oh, how sad is that? And yet, it describes you and me when we live out of an old life, an old self, an unaccepted self, a self that has to prove itself again and again, earn God's favor, earn your place, earn your sense of identity. But no, not you. Not you, O oh, believer in Christ. Your identity in Christ is a settled issue. And when we live out of that place, we can be generous. Kierkegaard, great Christian philosopher, said, the normal state of the human heart is to build itself around something besides God. The normal state of the human heart is to build itself around something Besides God. You see, so when we're talking with somebody across the table, talking with somebody in, in your workplace or wherever you happen to be interacting with someone who, who has built their life apart from God, do you have a sense of generosity, of compassion? You know, sometimes people, they, they, they kind of are condescending and, condescending and they put their ego out there and you think, oh gosh, this person just as getting too big, right? Do you, do you realize that, that, that egos increase with a sense of insecurity? Did you know that? You know, a lot of times people think that an ego means that a person is self-confident. It's absolutely the opposite. The bigger the ego, the more insecure the person. It's like a balloon, okay? So we, we all have to have some something in us, and we all have to have this sense that, that, that we are accepted, right? And when, when you're building your life around something besides God, it's like a balloon. You're just puffing yourself up, puff, 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 puff. But imagine how vulnerable that is. You know, sometimes it takes just a little prick to burst that balloon. You've probably experienced this before when somebody's puffing themselves up. And you dare to question them, and poof, oh my goodness, I can't believe, that's my opinion. And you don't realize that their opinion is them. Everything is at stake. Why? Because they're living 
They've built their self around something besides God. They're not living out of a sense of acceptance. Their sense of worth, their sense of identity is at stake in this debate. Oh, this is, this is part of why there is so much vitriol these days. Because people have stopped building their lives around Christ and increasingly in, in the culture, people have to defend every idea as though they're, they're defending their life itself. Our then, now this is the next connection, like the long sentence. It's not to beat up on the culture. It's not to beat up on people who are living lives far from God. It's to get in touch with a sense of compassion so that we can what? We can live differently. We can respond differently. We can be what? Generous in tone. We can learn to be generous when you're living out of the new self, the new life. You are accepted. It's a settled deal. You're dealing with people, believers and unbelievers alike, who are living out of an old place where their sense of worth, their sense of identity and meaning and purpose all rides on winning the next performance. Like Madonna, I have to prove that I am somebody, but not you. You see, this is what, what Paul is saying to the Ephesian church. Be members of one another in this way. Let people see this kind of relationship in you, this, this way of being, this way of responding, that your confidence becomes somewhat of a mystery in the midst of disagreement because you don't have to win. You don't have to see someone else lose so that you can be somebody. Instead, instead, you operate out of a sense of something that's already settled. And you can agree to disagree. You can disagree without being disagreeable. So that's the tone, right? A generous tone. Because you have riches. You have something. You have more than just a, a balloon filled with hot air. You have, you have substance to your life. You have a sense of confidence about who you are. You have something to give. You can be generous in tone. But... The second one is harder. Not just to sort of rank order relationship over being right, but to give up your rights. Why? Why do we give up our rights? Because not just that we've already been accepted in relationship, but, but the basis of your acceptance is that you've already been, listen, justified. Justified. You remember in the uh, story of the prodigal son, you understand what I'm talking about when you, wanting to justify himself, right? Or you, you see this over and again in Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees, that, that somebody is trying to justify themselves. They have to win the argument. They have to be right. They have to be better than you. They have to project some image of themselves. They have to justify themselves. Why? 
because there's no verdict sometimes over their life. And sometimes we're living out of that place as if the, the verdict weren't in. The verdict is in on your life. It's not guilty or not guilty, it's forgiven. You've been justified on the basis of Christ's work on the cross. He's done the work that we couldn't do. It's done. Are you living as though that's a done deal? Such that you're willing to give up your rights for relationship. Are you willing to give up your rights for relationship? This is really difficult. Now, you're not gonna like this. You know how I know that? I know you're not gonna like this because I don't like this, okay? I don't like this. And the example I'm gonna give you is, is gonna be a little bit emotional, all right? Some of you are really invested in the news. I know because I read some of your stuff that you post and I know how emotional you get. And, and so you're not gonna like this and I'm just telling you up front, I don't like this either, okay? So... Don't throw tomatoes. All right. You ready? Chick-fil-A. What? You don't know about this? Okay. So we're talking about being generous by giving up your rights, being willing to give up your rights for relationship. Chick-fil-A has been hounded by uh, militant groups who think that Chick-fil-A, this is very unfair, and unfounded, that Chick-fil-A hates some of their neighbors. Now, Jesus calls us what? To love our neighbor, right? He even calls us to love our enemy. So let's just talk about your neighbors. What neighbors? Well, he doesn't specify. Oh, all the neighbors except for those ones. Your neighbors, right? And so... Chick-fil-A is under this, has been under scrutiny for the last several years that, that there are certain neighbors that, that they don't love. That, that the found, this is a family-run company. It's as if somehow they don't love certain neighbors, gay ones, that, that they are against homosexuals, people who are struggling with same-sex attraction that somehow they don't love them. There's no evidence for this. In fact, it's quite the opposite, that they have been, uh, Dan Cathy, for example, has a good friend who, who is gay, and, and he demonstrably went to a, a soccer game with him to, to show, look, look, we, we're, we're followers of Jesus. You know, we don't, we don't carve ourselves into some political faction and we define ourselves more by conservative social uh, constructs than we do following Jesus who said, love your neighbor. See, this is hard. And so this is what happened. They support a couple of groups that I really love and I personally give money to. One of them is very close to home. I have people who I dearly love who work for certain organizations. And one of these organizations has a statement 
which I think is important that for them to make. They work with young people and they define marriage as, uh, as between a man and a woman. And, and, and they define marriage in, in terms of you know, the, the, the God, what, they, what, what, what we believe according to the scripture is God's very best for us. And so, uh, so because they support that organization, because that organization has this statement about marriage, uh, they have been targeted by militant groups who say that they, they are not loving their neighbors. Okay, and so this is what they've done. They've ended support for those groups. Now, that makes people very upset, and I understand that. It makes me very upset. But let me, let me tell you what I think is happening, because I think it's hard, but I think we're called to it. And that is sometimes we have to give up our rights in order to follow Jesus, in order to be obedient to him. And he says what? Love God, love your neighbor. And if someone thinks that Tim Philston doesn't love certain neighbors, Am I willing to give up certain rights, even if I'm being falsely accused of something? Am I willing to give up my rights in order to show you I love you? You're my neighbor. That's the kind of generosity that is so weird. It's peculiar. We're called to be that kind of weird, peculiar people. The norm is to say, no, no, double down, hit back, discredit those people. Let me ask you, you already know the answer to this question. How is that approach working in our country? You know, Einstein's definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and again and expecting different results. We keep sort of doubling down and hitting back. We keep discrediting the other person and we keep uh, trying to steal up some sort of you know, political action approach to loving your neighbor. And we leave God out of the equation thinking that somehow we have to muscle through this. We have to be, have stronger businesses, have stronger politics in order to, to, to win some culture war. Well, the culture war has not been a pretty thing for the Christian church. You see, I think what, what Paul is saying here is don't be surprised that if in verse 25 you're being called to love your neighbor and live out of a sense of generosity, out of a new sense of self, not the old self, that on occasion perhaps just for a season, you have to give up some of your rights in order to heal relationship. MLK, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. had this expression. It's called a double victory, double victory. And the double victory is, is when you, know, you see somebody on the opposite side of an issue and you want to win them over to the truth. But your attitude is that of generosity. Your attitude is that of giving up rights to justice even. 
right? To your own personal justice, not justice, but justice for all. This is what the genius of MLK Jr. was, was that when he looked out, he, he saw America. He didn't see black America and white America. He spoke to Americans. And so when, when he was speaking to people who were against black America, he recognized that that wasn't good for them. You see how amazing that is? When you're under attack, when you feel like something has been done wrong to you, when you feel like you've gotten the short end of the stick, when you feel like you're being oppressed and you're oppressor, you can name them and see them, and yet you're not trying to say you're a victim, but instead you're saying, look, this kind of inequity isn't good for all of us, not just some of us. It's not good, especially for those of you, because it is a soul-sucking thing to be an oppressor. This is a very different way to live, you see. This following Jesus, this living out of the new life, this living accepted, living justified already. It's a very strange lifestyle. To give up your rights? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, Where's the fairness in that? Exactly. It's not fair. And, And if we're unwilling to do it and we think it's still wrong, you're having an emotional reaction. I'm having an emotional reaction. When I look at something and I say, okay, I'm going to give up my rights in order to, to, because I'm going to at least do something different in order to heal this relationship so that I can be influential again in it, so that it can just demonstrate the love of Christ, so that I can be free from vitriol and hate and fear, then I'm embracing the fact that I'm already justified. I'm already accepted. Ah, this, is, this is big stuff, tough stuff. But it really comes down to understanding it, how to love. And that means being generous. Let me just give you, end with these very practical, uh, practical ways. L-O-V-E, I know it's a little cheesy, a little corny. All right, I'm gonna be corny at the end, okay? Can I be corny for a minute? L-O-V-E, love. First of all, okay, I'm making myself laugh here, all right. <laughs> okay, if you won't laugh, I'm going to laugh at myself. All right, this is corny, but L-O-V-E. You're going to remember this. Listen, L is for listen. And that's not just to wait your turn, okay? When you actually listen to somebody, they feel you're listening to them. You make them feel heard. That's listening. Anything else is just waiting, okay? Waiting for my turn because I'm a loaded spring. Are you done talking? Boom, all right? Listen, don't just wait your turn. O is for observe, don't fix. Observe, just watch. It's funny, I was watching some of the hearings um, a few weeks ago and uh, one of the statements that I thought was genius was, I receive your statement. (laughs) That's really funny, y'all aren't laughing at my jokes. I receive your statement. It's like, I have, you, are, you are really dumb, but I receive your statement. I mean, that's what I saw them saying, you know. Just receive it. Just receive it. Observe. Observe. Don't fix them. You don't have to take on that responsibility. Be free from that. Observe. The voice. Voice what? Voice what you're for, not against. Don't be defined by what you're against. 
don't reinforce people's uh, um, animus towards you or alienation from them by, by giving them and reacting, by, by defining yourself by what you're against. Voice what you're for. And E is exit. Sometimes you do just have to say, no, this isn't productive. This is a win-lose argument. It's not going to go anywhere. Maybe we can try it again in the morning, but let's, let's press pause for now. Love your neighbor. Bernard of Clairvaux said, there are those who seek knowledge for the sake of knowledge, and that's curiosity. There are those who seek knowledge to be known by others, and that's vanity. Futility of their minds come to mind here. Vanity. There are those who seek knowledge in order to serve, and that's love. Let's pray together. Holy God, how we thank you for your love for us that was so generous. While we were yet sinners, you gave up your rights for relationship. While we were yet sinners, rather than being right, Lord, you were generous. Lord, help us to follow you and build our life around you and not ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.